<laughs> it's like everywhere. For those of you that didn't understand that joke. <laughs> so I've been, one of my other colleagues, uh, Asha uh, Williamson, uh, she, uh, she I, I like to annoy her with the DJ horn. Anybody know what the DJ horn is? So I like to annoy her, and she saw fit to tell her entire in-hall team to do the air horn as soon as I came up here. I think it's fantastic, and uh, I love it. So I love it. Thank you so much for this opportunity um, for, for me to be up here to, to speak to you all. I don't, I don't take it lightly at all. In fact, I've had like more opportunities to speak on this platform than I've had at almost any other place. I mean, I've spoken up here and render a couple of times, and um, as a as a the senior speaker once, and um, you know, I think you're doing something right if they invite you back, <laughs> um, but that only puts more pressure on you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm very grateful to be up here and to be able to speak in front of you all. Um, can, we, can we just do something real quick? Can we all just stand um, with one another? Um, we don't get a whole lot of time to uh, truly acknowledge the faculty, the staff, the administration that makes this school happen. So at, we, we, with all of us standing, can we just clap our hands? Thank you to all of the staff, all of the faculty, all of the administration, all of our coaches, student development, all of our operations, because without them, NCU wouldn't be what NCU is. And then also, while you're standing, let's give glory to the Lord. Come on, give glory to the Lord, for he is good and worthy to be praised. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He is good. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. That's a good way to start the morning. Amen. So let me give you a little bit of a picture into my life. Um, of course, uh, Chris has already talked, to, talked with you a little bit about who I am. And yes, I was a non-traditional student. Um, worked full-time, took a full, time, full load and credits, uh, and uh, supported my family through it all. Now, let me introduce you to my family. This is Team Thomas. That's us right there. Yeah. Behind me, but always beside me, is my wife, Harmony Thomas. She's amazing. She's amazing. And then that's my wife, I mean, that's my son, Jeremiah. And literally, he's about as big as the picture. Like, he's, he's huge. He's half my size. Um, he's, he's an incredible kid. And I have an incredible wife. And I'm so blessed and humbled to have the opportunity to create a family. And that's what we're really talking about over these last, today and yesterday. Um, just this idea of having a family. What does it mean to have relationships within family? Can you give a hand clap for uh, Dr. Leibengood's message yesterday? It certainly touched my heart. And every time I see her family, it does my heart proud. And um, your testimony is, it encourages me. Because um, parenting is hard, <laughs> and uh, and I'm very I'm very grateful for uh, just for what you offer to this campus. Thank you so much. So that's my family, and uh, 
And as you may know, and at, well, as you will know, um, having been a part of a family or maybe starting one on your own, trying to create a family is not easy. It's not. In fact, you really only have a couple of things to go off of. You have the, the opinions of others around you, and you have the experiences that you've had. So when I was trying to create the rhythms of my family, once post, you know, post-bachelors and just really trying to figure out what my family dynamic looks like, you know, we have all these philosophical things. You know, I want my family to do devotionals every day because we're going to seek the Lord. And then we get into the practice of it, and it's like, ooh, every day is not going to work. <laughs> but, it's a, but it should, and we should make it a priority. Um, and, you know, I had, these, I had these challenges as I was kind of forming the rhythms of my family. Um, one of the challenges really came out of an a, a experience that I had um, that was quite negative. It's not like anybody did anything wrong to me in this specific point, but you can only kind of build what build toward what you know from. Um, and I only knew uh, just this little portion, this little perspective at the time. And it made, ch it made it challenging to really set in motion the rhythm that I wanted with my family. I had hurt in my heart. Um, but the Lord healed me of that hurt, and that's what I'm going to talk about in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, one of the greatest moments of healing that I've ever had in my life was when I understood the relationship that me and my earthly father have. Now, I didn't always understand it. In fact, in my formative years, it was like Left, right, left, right, always swinging like a moving pendulum, not quite being able to pinpoint, okay, this is how my dad's, this is how my dad is, and this is what his love's like, and then, oh, now it's different, and it seemed to always be ever-changing. In fact, in my childhood, I thought he didn't want to be in my life. I thought he didn't want to be in my life because when, in moments where I wanted him to be there, he wasn't. Now, I didn't know that in the background, my biological mom was creating a circumstance that made it impossible for my father to be with me. I didn't know that. And it's really, it's really, really difficult for a father to explain to his five, six, seven-year-old son that I can't be with you because mommy won't let me. But from my perspective, all I knew was that my dad doesn't want to be with me because otherwise he'd be here, right? I mean, it's pretty black and white. And then as I gotten older, my dad came up back into my life. My, my biological mom lo loosened those holds. And uh, he was in my life. But I was also introduced to who is now my amazing stepmother and my fantastic stepsister. But at the time, I was really torn. I knew I was my father's son. But now I thought to myself, how do I fit into my father's life with this new family that I don't know? How do I share my father with people that I've just met today? And it seems like these people know my father better than I do. I didn't have the ability to, to, you know, to be with him 24-7 like I wanted to in my really, really young childhood. But now it seems like I get him but I only get a part of them. Then I got a little older, got a little older, 
And I struggled to understand my father's role in my life, just in general. This was my teenage years. Now, I will add this caveat. In my teenage years is when I got saved, but I wasn't always saved. And my teenage years were pretty challenging. I mean, if there was a theological term to describe saved-ish, that would be me. I certainly personified that. I mean, there was days where I loved the Lord, but certainly did not reverence him or respect him, or respect his people, or see others in the image of God. And I made a lot of tough decisions, and I made a lot of bad decisions. And at this time, my dad was a preacher, pastor, which makes me the PK. So here I am, like, kind of fulfilling, but trying not to fulfill the stereotype that's generally put out on PKs. And, and it was really difficult for me to understand my dad's role in my life. And again, for any teenager, it is always difficult. My father is the one who grounds me, but then also buys me things on my birthday and for Christmas. I mean, he comes to my games, but he always seems to correct me, nitpick on me, be on my back. <laughs> I'm just trying to do what I want to do, but he's here always in the mix. And it's the story of every teenager, really. But the problem, though, was that it seemed like his love for me was based on my accomplishments and my ability to do. And I wholeheartedly like dove into that perspective. I was on corral in high school, played baseball, I mean not baseball, played basketball. I tried baseball once, it didn't work out. Played basketball, played football, uh, was the president of the diversity club two years running, started a step team in high school. I did all these things to one, keep myself engaged in the community that I was in, but secondly, to low-key try to earn my father's approval. Because I knew when I did, he said, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I had to, had to keep doing so I could keep receiving that verbal affirmation. And then when I didn't do so well, it was, son, you need to get your act together. And it was really hard for me to understand, like, where's my dad coming from? Does he love me or does he, does he not love me? I don't, I don't quite get it. Then I transitioned to being older. Now, fast forward, we're in my 20s. And through all of these stages of my life, I always felt I misunderstood my father, specifically his love. I mean, I knew he was supposed to love me, but because of my experiences with other family members, my self-centered nature, truly me holding my father to a standard that's practically unattainable, I didn't believe the love that my father had for me. Didn't believe in it. I mean, philosophically I knew, but in practice, I don't know. I had knowledge without understanding in fact, I reduced me and my father's relationship to being about me receiving gifts from him. I reduced our relationship to having apprehensive conversations about anything. And I reduced our relationship to it being contingent upon what I could do for him, what I could do for my family, what I could do for others. I believed a lie that I was the sum of what I could do. Last year, 
These feelings crescendoed over two decades of difficulty and misunderstanding, crescendoed into a conversation that I had with my father just last year when I told him these words. Dad, I know you love me. At least I know you're supposed to. But sometimes I just have difficulty believing it. As I saw the shock in my dad's face, he was going to answer, but before he could answer, our conversation was interrupted. And as it was interrupted, I felt like that moment just faded away. It's just last year. About two weeks later, after that conversation, still unsettled with it all, my son was born, Jeremiah. He was born. And when he was born, I tell you what, it was like the sky parted, the Lord shined his light down. It was amazing. I felt a part of my heart grow. And in that moment when I held him for the first time, I prayed over him. First thing I did, I blessed him. And I told him that I was proud of him. Before he did anything, I told him how much I loved him. I prayed for his spouse. (laughs) I dedicated him to the Lord, and I told him that, Jeremiah, there is nothing that you could do for me to love you any more or any less. For me, this moment kind of reflects Jesus' baptism. When you see the sky break apart and you have the Father's voice there, you see the Holy Spirit and Jesus is in the waters, just this dynamic moment, and the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I, f- like, just, I just like embrace that for my son Jeremiah. Still do. But yet I still felt unsettled because I didn't receive that from my own father. I d- couldn't feel that from my own father. A couple of days go by. We get Jeremiah out of the hospital. One of the scariest moments that you'll ever do in your life. You get a child and you say, all right. The doctors are like, all right, here you go. Here's a life. Take care of it. (laughs) And like, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, feed them and change them and like take care of them, get them to sleep. And like, but how do we do that? Well, you just do it. (laughs) It was one of the most awkward and scariest moments. Like installing the car seat for the first time, scary. I think I drove like 10 miles under the speed limit the entire time. As we were heading Uh, back home, my dad pulled me aside when Harmony and I arrived home with our new child. He communicated this thought to me. First thing he said, he said this, son, Jonathan, when you told me about how you felt, I couldn't find the right words to properly express the love I have for you. But I want you to know, the same way you felt when you held Jeremiah the first time is the same way I felt when I held you the first time. And that is still the way I feel. And I have always felt that way. There is nothing you can do for me to love you any more or any less. Jonathan, I have always loved you. In that moment, I sobbed like a baby. And I was comforted by my father. Not the one that I had a broken perspective of, but the one that I could truly see. See, at that point, everything was clear, consistent and concise, because now I understood. 
from this experience, I learned that some things sometimes you don't understand until you're in the role of the person you misunderstood. I misunderstood my dad's role in my life because I couldn't see it from his perspective. But when I was in his shoes, holding my son Jeremiah, and when he affirmed those words to me, just one last time, he altered my perspective forever. What I previously previously thought all those years was a misconception. When I was a child, I thought he didn't want to be in my life, but he always wanted to be in my life. When I got a little older, I thought he had to, I thought I had to share my father's attention, but he always had enough love for all of us in the family. And when I struggled to understand his role in my life, his love always redirected me from wrongdoing and guided me to what is right. Ben, you can start coming up. This is the kind of love that God has for his son, Jesus. This is the kind of love that God has for you. God says to you this morning, you are my child. Before you had the ability to do anything, I loved you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. I will lead you to all truth. I will order your steps and direct your path. If you acknowledge me in all that you do, I will be the one to give you direction. When you feel lost, I will provide a plan for you to be found. When you feel by yourself, when you feel attacked, I will be a refuge for you. When you feel like all the enemies are around you, I'll be the one to protect you. See, God is saying today that though you may not understand my mysterious ways, you may not understand them. My why was never hidden. My reasoning was always apparent. I loved you then. I love you now. And when we see our creator face to face, he'll love us forever. God seeks to bridge the gap between the love he has for us and our understanding of it. And it starts with you knowing that before you did anything for him, he gave his life for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In that moment that I had with my father, I could see his love, my earthly father's love, so much clearly, but so much more, and so much more valuable, I could see my God's love for me. It's clear. It's consistent. The love that God has for us. Some of you today are kind of in the shoes that I was in, feeling like God is kind of moving back and forth. You feel like you understand them, but then other days you don't. 
You struggle to understand his, his role in your life. You wonder if you even have his attention. Let me encourage you with this. When you thought God didn't want to be in your life, he has always wanted to be in your life. When you thought God didn't have your have attention for you, he has always had enough love for you and for all of the world. When you struggle to understand his role in your life, his love will always give direction from doing wrong and will guide you to right standing with him and doing right things for him. For God seeks to bridge the gap between the love he has for you and your understanding of it. Can we all stand? This Valentine's Day, it's great to get roses for your significant other. Be sure to call your mom, call your dad. But in the next five minutes, take a moment to be still and acknowledge the love that God has for you. It's not an altar call. And in fact, whenever you're ready to leave, feel free to go out the doors. No worries. But know that you can stay here as long as you want to experience the love that you need, that we all need. Because without that love, where would we be? Let's let God change our perspective. Clear our lens. Show us how his love is consistent, clear, precise. We may not always understand his ways, but his reasoning behind his ways, always apparent. We don't have to misunderstand his love for us. For he gave himself for us. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, as we seek your love and seek your face, we pray that you would reveal yourself, that you would show yourself in the mighty way. Father, we pray that you would fix our broken perspectives, that you would restore our sight to see properly, to, 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 to be able to comprehend all that you offer, all that you are. And Father, I pray for the students in this room and the students on this campus. I pray that they would receive all that you are, all that you have to offer. That it wouldn't be a mystery as to if you love them. That it's not just some philosophical concept, but no, you applied the emotional compulsion to be here to save your creation and giving your life for us through your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that that love would compel us to draw closer to you. And as we draw closer to you, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would show us how to reflect this love to a world who only sees dimly 
that may have a broken perspective. Show us how to be that bridge over the gap. Father, we thank you for creating us to be who we are, and we look forward to this partnership in life, journeying with you as we discover who you've called us to be. We love you, Lord, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. Amen.